0: All right, is everybody ready? Fantastic, man. Eight o'clock is alive and cl- all right. Here we go. We're getting into God's Word. We, if you haven't been here, we are in a series through the Book of Romans here at New Hope. We teach through books of the Bible because we want to make God's Word make sense. That's a part of what we do when we preach, and we want to teach you through books of the Bible so you understand that book of the Bible, right? So we've gone through a lot of uh, different books, and this series, we're breaking up into actually three or four different series as we go through the book of Romans, because it's long, all right? So we're in the book of Romans, um, and uh, chapter five, we're going to go all the way through August in the book of Romans, all right? So, um, so if you're like, man, did I miss anything? I'll catch you up this morning, okay? If you haven't been with us leading up to what we're calling the road to Easter, which today is the reason why, right? We've been talking about why did Easter have to be a thing, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Why did he have to raise again? What is this all about? And what was the road to Easter for all of us? And what what do we experience because of what happened and what we celebrate as Christ followers today as we celebrate Easter? Why did this have to happen? And so uh, a couple of things that we do all the time is we create uh, reading guides, series guides for you. So we understand Sunday, we come, we preach the Word, we hear the Word, we study the Word, we take notes, right? So we can remember what we learned on Sundays. And so if you have a worship program, you'll see some fill-in-the-blanks this morning. And, uh, and you can follow along, and you can doodle in the corner and draw pictures of me if you want. All right, you can, whatever you want to do on that, um, <clears throat> whatever keeps you connected with what we're talking about. But we also want you to get into God's Word every day. And so that's why we create these. This is our series guide Next week we're starting a new series, even though we're in the book of Romans, called Alive in Christ, and we have a new reading plan for that. It's a little bit smaller than what we've been doing, Um, and so you can grab one of these and on the front... it gives you just a simple process if you want to spend time with God each day, five, ten minutes. um, It tells you exactly what to do and what that looks like. And then on the back has all these check boxes of what to read each day, just a small part of the scripture. And so we give you a reading plan is what we call it. And so if you want to grab one of these, we've got lots of copies of these um, back at the table in the middle of the doors as you head out, grab a copy of that, or it's always on our app and it's always on our website if you like digital. You can do that way as well, but we want to help you get into God's Word. And always on the bottom of these reading planes, you'll see memory verses, right? Because we want to hide God's Word in our minds and move them from our minds to our hearts and then from our hearts to our hands, right? We want to live this stuff out and and, uh, and live what God puts in us. And so the memory verse that we've been in now for a couple of weeks in this part of this series is Romans 5, 8, which is a part of what we're getting into Romans chapter 5 today. And so this is what I want us to do. If you're new with us, we read this out loud together and, uh, and so that we can continue to learn it together. All right. Is everybody ready to read out loud? Yep. yep. Okay. So let's read this out loud together. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still what? Sinners. sinners. That's we didn't have to get perfect for him to finally say, you're good enough for me to die for you. That's not how it worked. If you've seen the giant sign on our building, and if you saw some Facebook ads, we're about Jesus without all the religion. And so you're going to understand today why. Why are we saying that? Why, why do we mean that here at New Hope? <clears throat> and this is why, because it's, it's while we were still sinners, he died for us. We didn't have to get right to get God. God said, get to me, and I'll help you be right. I will make you right. And, and that's the power of what we're talking about today. <clears throat> today, excuse me. Okay, so we're going to read, I'm going to read out loud today, um, the key passage that we're talking about. So if you have your Bibles, we always say you can bring a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, in the baskets on the other side of that wall, there's always free Bibles. Grab one, take it home with you. There's lots of Bible apps um, but if you want to get with me to Romans chapter 5, we're going to be studying verses 1 through 11 today, and I'm going to read it out loud. And so if you're able to uh, stand with me as we read God's Word. And so here at New Hope, we've, we started this this year. We stand when we read God's Word as a matter of honor. It's like when somebody important shows up in a room, the room stands to honor that person. Like that's what we're doing. We're honoring the Bible. We're honoring God's Word by saying we're going to stand in the presence of God's Word. God's Word matters for us. So, Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read it in the NIV. You can follow along in the version you have. And this is what it says. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we uh, now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. God, thank you for your word. And this morning, as we learn this together, as we unpack these passages together, Holy Spirit, would you just give me the words you want me to speak and share this morning? We know that we can't do anything apart from you. God, I know that each seat in this room has already been prayed over. Each person has been prayed for. And you have a purpose for each of us this morning. And I pray, you would you remove distraction from our hearts, our heads, our thoughts? And we, would you help us to understand your word today with clarity? God, thank you for this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen? Amen. amen. Awesome. You guys can have a seat. So as we kick off the message this morning, <clears throat> I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, have you ever ordered something online and had a lot of hope and excitement about ordering that thing and couldn't wait until it showed up, but when it showed up, it wasn't quite what you thought it was going to be? Has that ever happened to anybody? Or, or like if you got, go to the like an ice cream place and you buy something like this, like you buy the SpongeBob Popsicle for your kid and like, yay, SpongeBob, but then this is what actually shows up. Creepy, Right? <laughs> right? Or you're scrolling on Facebook and see a beautiful dress, and that dress looks beautiful, and it's only $14.99, right? And so you're like, I got to order this dress, but it comes and it looks like that, right? It's like not quite what you had hoped for, or, uh, or maybe your daughter wanted the Elsa doll from Frozen, and you're like, that's the one, and she's so pretty, and, but this is what actually shows up. <laughs> okay, a little bit closer. This is cre- that's creepy, right? That's like, <laughs> sorry about the creepy Elsa, you know, like something, she's possessed Elsa. Um, <laughs> Scary, right? Um, Or you're really, really hungry, and you just watched a Whopper commercial, and you're like, I want that Whopper. Look how beautiful it is, but when you open the packaging, it looks like that, right? It never looks like the picture that they post on there. Or maybe, ladies, you are on ChristianMingle.com looking for a hot date, and you're thinking, this guy's nice, and his name's William Carnegie III. Oh, this guy's going to be awesome. But then when you finally show up to the date, you show up with Willie. (laughs) And Willie isn't what you thought he was going to be, right? That's not William Carnegie III, that's Willie the trailer park guy, you know, that's a different... So you hope for something and you get something else, it's disappointing, right? It's depressing, it's really frustrating. And, but the reality is some of us, it's not like that. It gets more serious because maybe you put your hopes in some things in this life and you've been let down by real hopes. Like you put your hope in a relationship and thought, man, this is, this is it or this is the one or this friendship is a really great friendship only to find that your hope got smashed in that relationship, and you got hurt in the process, and so hope disappeared in that process, or maybe you, you put your hope in a job, and you're really looking forward to this job, and you got it, and you started working there just to realize this is a really dysfunctional workplace. It's not what I thought it was going to be, and now you have a job that you don't like, but you're in it, and you have to continue to make money. Maybe you've had that kind of miss hope in that process, or, or maybe a certain experience you were really longing to do, a vacation you went on, and then it just went, and it rained the whole time, and it did not turn out the way you thought it would be. Hope, when it, when it doesn't come into fruition, is heartbreaking, isn't it? This is what it says in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's like, if you hope for something, it just never happens. and never happens. Like, there's something inside of you that just goes, ah, come on, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It births something in you when that hope gets fulfilled. Today, we're going to be talking about a bigger hope than a SpongeBob Popsicle look in the way it's supposed to, right? Actually, we're talking about a bigger hope than a hope you have in a relationship you think should go the way, and maybe it does. It's the greatest hope that we can ever ho- have, and it's this hope that we're talking about today. The reality is, real hope is not positional meaning you can't find real hope in something all the time because uh, it, it's, it's, well, sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Real hope is positional, it's not conditional, all right? Real hope is positional, not conditional. What do I mean when I say that? Real hope is positional, meaning like whenever you find something that gives you absolute hope, you are then put in a position of hope, and that hope can be steady, it can be sure no matter what the conditions are that you're going through in life. There's a difference. If your hope is conditional, your hope is based on something going the way you hope it will go. That's conditional hope. And if it doesn't go the way you hoped it would go, that hope goes with it. It's gone. We're talking about the deeper hope, a hope that is an anchor for your soul, a hope that comes only through Jesus Christ, and that's the hope that we're talking about, which is positional hope. It's a hope no matter the circumstances, you can be full of living hope. A hope that is alive inside of you, no matter what your popsicle looks like, right? That's what we're talking about, this solid hope. In verse 5, it says, hope does not put us to shame. The hope we're talking about will never put you to shame. Conditional hope will at times, because have you ever hoped for something and then told a bunch of people about the hope you had in that thing, only to be let down, and now you have to go back to all those people and say, well, it didn't really work out, right? It's like, ah, oh, that's like a humbling process. That's conditional hope. We're talking about the foundation of hope. This is, this is my definition of hope. Hope is joyful and content expectation. It is joyful, meaning it's a longing that is good. It's a good thing that you're hoping for. It's confidence, meaning it's not like, I hope I win the lottery, like, eh, cross your fingers. Like, that's conditional hope. This type of hope is confident hope. Like, I'm assured in my hope, right? And it's expecting something. For us as Christ followers, this is the kind of hope that we should be experiencing in life. If you don't know Christ yet, maybe you're here and you're kind of like investigating this whole God thing. You got invited by a friend or family. You're like, I'm just showing up because they're giving me dinner afterwards. Awesome. Like, but we're glad you're here. But I want you to hear about this hope as well. Because this is the kind of hope that we're reading about in Romans chapter 5. This is really good hope. Okay? Now, my sermon today, I'm going to do my best. And those of you who know, usually sermons go like 45 minutes. I have 35 minutes. So that's 10 minutes less. So pray for me. All right. So, like, we got a lot to cover as we get into this. Um, but I want, to, I want to answer a question. The title of my sermon is How to Have Peace with God. How to Have Peace with God. When you get to the end of your life, you're not going to be thinking about, boy, I wish I worked more. Boy, I wish I would have bought more stuff. Boy, I w-. You're going to be thinking, how do I have peace with God? And it's better to answer that question before you get there so you can actually live in hope until you get there, okay? Some people don't have that, and, uh, and we want to be a people who understands what it looks like to have peace with God. How do you have peace with God? Romans chapter 5 answers that question, so we're just going to hop right into it. How to have peace with God is what we're talking about. All right, verses—chapter uh, 5, verses 1 and 2, the first part of chapter 2, or verse 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Say it with me, we have peace with God. That's that's what we're talking about. We have peace through God. We have peace through God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a person by which we can get this peace with God. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his this grace in which we now stand. Do you hear this firm hope? It's a standing somewhere. It's not conditional. Like, you're in it, and you're standing on it, and it's there. That's this kind kind of hope and this kind of peace that we're, we're talking about today. And how do you get it? Through faith, through faith. This is why we're saying it's Jesus without all the religion. It's Jesus without all the religion. We can have peace with God, but there's a way to have peace with God, and it does not happen by being a good person. It does not happen by getting all the right things done before you get there. Like, that's not how this thing of faith works. It's not about works. It's not about doing all the good stuff. This is Jesus without all the religion. I don't know, some of you have come from a history where you've been hurt by other churches, and I know that because if you've been in church, you've been hurt in church, because church is full of a bunch of broken people. Some try to cover it up with masks. Some try to do a bunch of good works to like say, see, I am no, I'm a good person, but the reality is we're all broken people, and so most likely if you've been in church, you've been hurt in church. For some of you, that might have been the exit door for you. Like, nope, if this is who they are, I'm out. I'm done with this. Um, I'm sorry that that's your experience, I can't guarantee that's not going to be experienced in the future. That's why our hope isn't in going to church. Our hope isn't in another broken person or a perfect pastor, or a. our hope is way deeper than that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the one that will not sin against you, the one that cannot hurt you. That's not who he is. He's actually paid the price so that you can have healing and you can walk into freedom This is Jesus without all the religion. See the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament. If you read the whole Old Testament, it's it's God's story. And so, if you think like we don't need to read the Old Testament, it's just the New Testament now. That's where we live. You're missing out our whole history, like how we got to where we are. And actually, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. It was the prophecy leading up to what needed to happen with Jesus. But we see this this relationship God had with the Jews. And in this relationship, we saw the Jews continually rebel against God, right? It's this pattern over and over again. It just shows the human nature. That's who we are still. We have this tendency to want to rebel against God. ah. And that's what they did. They would go through these cycles of, oh, no, we're worshiping God now. And, oh, but we sell this shiny thing over here, this idol over here, this country, and we're going to start worshiping that too. And they started wandering away from God. And then God would leave them because he can't be with them because they're unholy. They're, They're not living the way he called them to live. And so, Then they would repent and come back, and then they would be in God's peace and His presence. And this cycle happened over and over and over again. But what they thought it took for them to be right with God was all the religious rules, laws, and regulations. They thought, if we do all the right stuff, if we do it in the right order, then we're okay. And that wasn't the point of the whole Old Testament. That wasn't the point of what God was longing for. The whole time, He wanted a relationship with people. He still wants the same thing today. But these Jews thought that they had to do all the right things, and if they did all the right things, they would be close to God. And so when Jesus showed up, they still believed that. That's what they did. But the reality is none of us can get there, right? So if you missed last week, I'm going to give us like a little update of what we talked about last week if you missed it, because last week I used the illustration of the Grand Canyon, okay? Who's ever been to the Grand Canyon? Just show of hands if you've ever been there, right? It's beautiful. Have you ever seen a picture of the Grand Canyon? Anybody seen a picture of it, right? So like the picture doesn't do justice if you're actually seeing it in person. And so the Grand Canyon, let's look at this picture real quick. This is the image that I used last week. It's as if this is the reality. There is a chasm between us and God that we are on one side here on earth and God is on the other side in heaven. And God in heaven, he is perfect, he's holy, he's always right, he is just. This is who God is. And this is what we've learned all the way up to this morning through Romans 1 through 4. That's who God is. Us, we're not. We're sinners. We're not perfect. So we can't be in his presence, in his perfection. We can't stand to be in that presence. And so he said, I still want to be with them. Now, here is what the Jews thought. If I work really hard, if I do a lot of good stuff, and still today, this is the prevalent view of how to get to God. Uh, I used an illustration last week from the, the guy who has the longest Olympic long jump record, right? It was over 29 feet he jumped. What? That's here to the last row is how long that jump is. That's insane. And so if I said, if, I, if you trained and you're like, the only way to get to God is if you ran as fast as you can and you jump, that's where you land. Right? Yep. You will never jump the Grand Canyon, You can't run fast enough, or even if you're the best, you can't jump long enough. That is the reality for us. We cannot jump to God in our perfection to do a lot of works and to get there by religion. It does not work. You cannot get there. You can't jump. It's not by works, is what we're reading in Romans chapter 5. It is by faith. It is by faith. It's believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And here's the fact. On Friday was good Friday. It was a good Friday for us. It was a bad Friday for Jesus. It was a good Friday for us because this is what happened when he died on that cross. He made a way for us to be with God in heaven. This is what we learned through chapter 4 that God in heaven, and this is God's choice while we were still sinners to do this, that God in heaven sent and covers us with his righteousness. I mean, God is always right, his righteousness gets deposited into our account. So, we are now seen as right with God because of Jesus Christ. That Jesus becomes our salvation when we believe and trust in Him, and then we have the way to get to God in heaven. This is the gospel. This is the simple picture of what happens to us, of what we're studying in Romans chapter 4. This is how you have a hope that is solid. Because you don't have to jump. You get to walk on the solid bridge of the cross. Amen. And it is sure, steady, and perfect. And it is the only way that you can get to God in heaven. It says it this way in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians, oh, I'm jumping ahead. Write this down. Peace with God. <laughs> Peace with God is positional, not conditional. Peace with God is positional, not conditional. It's the same thing with hope, right? That if, if peace with God was conditional, the condition would be your goodness to get to Him. That's conditional peace with God. Like, well, I wasn't good today, so God can't love me today, and I can't be close to God today. But I'm going to do better tomorrow, so He's going to love me more. And, and, and that whole thing, you're trying to earn God's love, is, is, uh, that is a work relationship. That's, that's God is your boss, right? I'm working to earn my wages to heaven. And that's not who God, God's not your boss. He's your father. You don't have to work to get to him. He loved you to get to him. Amen. And so you can have the position of peace. He calls you into peace and it's done. This is, this is what Ephesians, I don't know, if, let me see if I have it up here. Yeah, no, I don't. This is what Ephesians says. Ephesians two thirteen and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. That is what he's done for you and for me. We don't have to be our peace to try to get to God, because we can't do it. He, Jesus, is our peace. He bridges the gap when we were far away from him he chose to die for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly, he chose to love you. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Peace with God is positional, not conditional. Now, if you try, let's say you try, let's go back to the Grand Canyon. Let's say you want to get to the other side of Grand Canyon. You say, well, I'm going to hike it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to hike it this is what's going to happen to you, okay? This is the sign leading down the pathway on the Grand Canyon. It says, warning, you're going to get sunburned, throw up, and die. Like, that's what it says. Like, this is the warning. And this picture is the same picture spiritually for you. If you try to be good enough to get to God, you're going to be spiritually exhausted. You're going to try your best, but you're never going to get there. And, and you're going to give up because you can't get there. It's not on your goodness. You can't hike across to get to God in heaven. Peace with God is positional, not conditional. All right, y'all with me? Yep, I'll get it. Okay, so let's keep reading then, okay? Let's let's go to the second half of verse 2. It says, and so, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now, this is where, if you're new to the Bible, you're like, well, that sucks. Right? You're like, like, we glory in the peace of God, and you're going to go through stuff. What? Now I don't know if I want to sign up. Well, here's the thing. No matter what, you're going to go through stuff. Welcome to life. Like, life, we're, we're all sinners in the same house. That, that's life. There are broken people all around you, and they're going to break you. And you're going to do things against other people. You're going to get sideswiped, and you're going to sideswipe others. That's the reality. The question is, what condition do you want to be in in that process? If you're a Christ follower, you're still going to suffer in this world. There's a future hope. We boast in the future hope of glory, meaning temporary suffering, eternal glory with God. He says, so we also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, right? It produces this steadiness inside of us to keep moving forward, produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, I mean, when you go through things, you start to define who you are. Because your character doesn't show up until you suffer, right? Until you go through something, that's when the character bubbles up and it shows who you actually are. And perseverance, character, and then what does character bring? Hope, right? That as Christians, this is what we have. We're going to suffer, yes. We're going to persevere, yes. Not in our own power, but in God's power in us because he's given it to us. And as we persevere, his character is going to grow in us and we're going to continue to live in hope. Hope for now and hope for the future the future hope that we have, that we will be with God in heaven forever. Verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. This kind of hope doesn't, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. This is awesome. Like God's presence inside of you, if you're a Christ follower, that's a promise of God. That's a deeper hope. That's a foundation of God's presence in you that is the anchor for your soul, okay? There's a difference between positional peace and the feeling of peace. Let me, let me help you understand this with this imagery. You can feel at peace, but not really be at peace. Did you know that? Uh, let me explain it this way. Imagine you um, were really excited to go on this cruise and it's the dream cruise you've always wanted to go on. And you get to the cruise, you get on the boat, and you see on the side of the boat, it's called the Titanic. And you jump on board, and you are on the hull, and you are on the deck of the Titanic, and you are sipping your champagne, and you're like feeling this sense of peace, like this is what I was hoping for. But you don't know what's coming. You can feel peace without knowing the wreck that's about to happen. The feeling of peace is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the position of peace. Because the feeling of peace can come and go. The position of peace can stay and it can be there, it can be a foundation. This is that imagery between positional and conditional. Now, here's the good news if you know Jesus Christ, you will be put into the position of peace. I'm going to keep reading in a moment. And the good thing is when you put in that position of peace with God, meaning like now you're at peace with God, it's done, it's finished. You have that. The feeling comes along with it. Amen. You get to experience both <laughs> the position and the feeling. Yeah. But if you have the feeling without the position, it is going to be temporary based upon your experience. Mm-hmm. We want that which is permanent peace with God. Okay. And, and uh, let's keep reading. Because this is, how it, this is what it looks like. This is, this is what that piece looks like. Since we have now been justified by his blood, this imagery of the cross bridging us, justified, we use this word, just as if I have never sinned. That's what justified means. Meaning Christ's blood, his sacrifice on the cross, makes us appear as if we have not sinned before our Heavenly Father. We're justified. It's actually a term for court, Right? It's where the judge says, "No, you're forgiven, and no, you don't have to pay the penalty for that." Jesus did that for us before God. Just as if I had not been sinned, or I have not sinned by His blood, how much more shall we then be saved from God's wrath through him? Now, this is where we wrestle because of God's wrath, We didn't talk about that yet. Like what is God's wrath? God's wrath has to do with justice. We, we are born in the image of God, meaning there's things in, inside of us that look like God, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Like, there's things in us that look like, and one of those things is justice. We have a longing for seeing justice, don't we? Like, when somebody does something wrong, we want to see something happen to that person, and they get their due for the wrong thing that they did. There's something inside of us that like that. That's what justice is. The reality is with God, if he is perfect and we are sinful, that sin, that brokenness has to be dealt with. Meaning justice would say something needs to be done against that injustice, that unholiness and that unrighteousness. And God's wrath at one point will be poured out because he is a just God. It can't go undealt with. He says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son— so, there's a way that we cannot experience the wrath of God, but being shown, proven innocent, and not guilty through Jesus Christ, his death, what he did for us. Let me keep reading. Last verse. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So, now we get to experience real life. He died for our sins, and then he rose again. Happy Easter. And we can die to our sins and then be risen again to new life. We live a new life. We live as if Christ saved us and changes us. That's what he does. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received this word again, reconciliation. The only way to be reconciled is through Jesus Christ. That's the imagery. But we see this imagery of God's wrath being poured out, though, as well. Before you know Christ, you are an enemy of Christ, of God. That is your position. Meaning, if, if we go to the court of heaven right now, all of us, and Jesus did not die on the cross, we would all be found guilty as charged, as sinners, unrighteous, unholy. Like, but you'd be like, but I'm better than that person. It doesn't work that way. If there's anything in your record that was unholy, ungodly, unrighteous, it puts you as an enemy against the God who is holy, who is righteous. That is our condition before God without Christ, an enemy. You know, when you you think about war, and we don't like thinking about war. Right now, there's a war going on um, in the world. And in a war, there's always somebody who is the aggressor, the one that's trying to do, and they're doing the wrong thing. And then there's usually the, the ones who are trying to defend and make things right, You know, that's this imagery of God at war. He is just, and he's trying to make things right. And what we don't understand is we're the aggressors. We're the ones that are warring against God. We're the ones that are sinning against him. We're the ones that are attacking him. But this is what God has chosen to give us. In the middle of a war, imagine imagine somebody stands up and just says peace and in that instant the war ends that's what we're reading this is the peace with God and he pays the price for the aggressor to be made right in that process that doesn't make any sense you're right. It doesn't make any sense unless it is of the character of God's love. God so loved you, he chose to send his one and only son to die on the cross to make you right with him. He chose. But he still gives us a choice in the process. This is called free will. We get a decision in this process— And if you make a decision to say, you know what, I want to have peace with God. I don't want to be the aggressor. I I want to have a relationship with Him. And I don't want to do it by being a good person or trying to climb that ladder to heaven or whatever that looks like. I want to do it the way He calls me to do it so He can call peace in my life. This this term peace, this this is what peace means in in this passage. Peace is a, a state of national tranquility exemption from the, um, from the rage and havoc of war. Peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ without fear of God's wrath. God declares peace. This is what he declares. This is what he declared with his son on the cross. This is what he declared when his son con- conquered death and rose again. This is the declaration of peace. You can be right with God. You can be free from the wrath of God. You can be forgiven from all your sins. You can be reconciled to the God of heaven. And you can live with peace now and forever. And he holds it out as a gift to you. Meaning he paid for it. It's, it's this imagery, and this is, not a, this is not a good image that we like to think about this word reconciled is the image of being purchased or having your debt paid off. It's almost the image of slavery, which is not a good image, right? But there were slave owners who would pay the price to purchase a slave in order to set that slave free. So they were no longer in bondage, they were no longer in chains, they were no longer held as an item of control, but they were a freed person. But the debt had to be paid for. This is what God did for us. He moved us from slavery to sin, paid our debt on the cross so we could be free. This is the good news. This is what it says, back up to verse 5. You see, at just the right time, I don't know what time it is for you today, But I would hope that today is the right time for you. At just the right time, this is what God did. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the what? Ungodly. He died for us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love, and that's the motivation of God for you. It's not wrath. It's not, I can't wait to get a hold of them. Some of you, that's who you think God is. God's character is love, and he is longing for you to experience that perfect love. His own love demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the good news. This is why Easter had to happen. This is why Good Friday is good for us. It was bad for Jesus. This is why Easter and the resurrection was good for Jesus and it's better for us. Because our sin can be hung on that cross and dealt with and our life can be as if that risen life is in us. We can have this relationship with God and have peace. Positional, because this is what God does. He calls it and claims it and stamps your record. Peace with me. Amen. The good news is no one is so bad they can't be saved. And no one is so good that they don't need to be saved. Mm, We are redeemed. We are the slaves who are set free. Somebody paid our price. This is what Matthew 13 says. And I love this imagery. This is a parable. Jesus is teaching this. This parable and uh, and I'm going to flip this parable for some of you because some of you, when you read it, you've read it a certain way, and I I read it for a certain way for a long time until my eyes were open to like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. This is this imagery of the kingdom of heaven. This is this is what Jesus taught when you read the Gospels. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. This is the kingdom of heaven. And so often I would read that and be like, so you should be like that owner when you find the kingdom of heaven. You should go and sell everything you got. But do you know what? I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think this parable is actually more about God than us. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again and joy over it goes and sells everything that he has. God has called you his treasure. And he found you. He sees you. He knows you. And he was willing to give everything he had, his one and only son, the highest cost to buy you, to set you free from sin. This is the kingdom of heaven. And it is an invitation. God found you and Jesus gave everything to buy you, to redeem you, and to save you. And today, I'm praying that some of you in this room might take a step of faith because it's not by works you're saved. You can't, you can't do it. You can't climb there. You can't get there. And today might be your day to say, I'm going to receive this gift. This is the free will part that God puts in us, that we all have choices. The gift he just hands out. He is holding it out every day. The Holy Spirit is calling people and working things in. Maybe some of you in this room, there's something stirring in you, and you're like, I don't know what the heck this thing is. It's the Holy Spirit already calling you and saying, God wants to be with you. And if that's you, you can come to him and today have peace with God. You can move from death to life. And if that's you, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. Some of you in this room, maybe you're not ready for that, but you're hearing this and you're like, this is brand new information. I'm praying, would you let God continue just to speak to your heart? Would you let him show his love for you? All you have to do is talk to him. Like, that's the cool thing with God. Talk to him like he's in the room with you because he can hear you. We can pray because Jesus made the way for us to talk to the perfect and holy God. But I want to take some time just to respond, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to have res- some response time. We're going to respond in a song in a moment, but, but let's, let's just take some time with God. God, thank you so much for your word that it's true. I pray, God, that you would lead us um, this, this morning how you want to lead us. And God, for those in this room um, that need to take a step and you're calling them into your presence to have peace with you, would you just lead them, lead them into your presence right now? I'm going to ask the worship team, guys, if you can go ahead and come up and start getting ready for our response time. But today, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, this is what Romans 10, 8 through 11 says. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, that is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what he's saying. It's faith. It's belief in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. He died for me. You will be saved. And he says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. You are made right, and you have peace with God. And if that's you today, I want to pray with you. I'm going to, I'm going to be available to pray with you personally up here up front. Nikki's going to be over here if anybody wants to pray with her. Pastor Jim's going to be in the back of the room and I'm going to ask you, we're going to sing a song and it's a song we all know in this room called Amazing Grace. And if you want that grace and if you want a relationship, I would encourage you to come down during that prayer song and pray with us. We will pray with you and you can change your eternity in a moment. And you can make a decision to have peace with God today. That's my last point if you want to fill in the blank. How to have peace with God? Simply this, believe that Jesus died for your sins and is alive, that's it. Believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. This is Jesus without all the religion. This is the gospel and the good news. And so I'm gonna ask you right now, if you wanna do that, I'm gonna pray and you can pray this prayer and make it your own. And I would say, after you do that during the song, if you pray this prayer and start that relationship, come down and pray with one of us. And we would love to meet you and pray with you so that's all with our head bowed let's just spend that time with God and if this is you and you want to have peace with God today you can say this you can believe in your heart but you can say something like this and pray to God you can say God I believe that Jesus is your son that he died on the cross for my sins and that he has made a way for me to be right with you I invite Jesus into my heart and life please give me your Holy Spirit Forgive me of my sins. I want to be yours now and forever, and I want to have peace with you, God. Make me right and give me peace. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. And if that's you, please come and pray with one of us. We'd love to pray with you. Let's stand together, church, and, and we're going to sing this song, "Amazing Grace," and listen to the chorus. My chains are gone. I've been set free, and this is the good news of the gospel as we respond.